Amen. That means highest praise. Because that's what he, he's worth, right? Right, Melanie? Yeah. Could you just sing hallelujah real quick on the mic? Hallelujah. Boom, right there, right? We can never sing great enough, but even if you do sing great like Melanie or, or Bree or Karina or Libni, well, oh, Jenna too, and Malia. Jenna, Jenna can sing. Watch out, watch out. But no matter how well you can sing, Jesus is still worthy of a greater voice, right? And that voice, we're going to see one day when the multitudes, right, all singing on the same accord, holy, 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 right, along with the angels. Amen. All right. Welcome to Elevate. Oof, that was so weak. Goodness, y'all asleep. All right, we're going to do this, all right? We're going to do this chant. I need, uh, I need you, Libni, to take control of this section, okay? All right, Malia, you need to take control of this section. You'll want a few people, so you'll be good, right? All right? So I'm going to say Elevate. You're going to say what, what? All right? And we're going to see which side is louder. So this is a challenge, okay? This is a challenge, all right? When I point to you, you say elevate. When I point to you, you say what, what? All right, ready? Elevate. What, what? Y'all soft, man. Y'all soft, man. Elevate. What, what? Y'all got roasted out here, bro. What's going on here? All right. I don't know, man. They got lungs over here. You guys, I hope y'all ain't smoking already, man. Like, for real. Don't ever smoke. All right, welcome to Elevate. We meet every Friday at 7 p.m. We're going over the sermon series. Uh, we don't have that table just yet. We're going over the sermon series, The Send. Right now, we're going to have a, uh, a speaker right now, right? A guest speaker. Just kidding. Not a guest speaker. You know her. Her name is Jocelyn Morales. She's not going to come up just yet, but we have a video to play for you. For some of you who don't know, Jocelyn... At one point was a youth, okay, she was a youth, all right, and she used to go to high school. So we're going to share a little bit of her testimony, if we can get that video up, if we can dim the lights. If you're from Shurs in here, say, Shurs, say Shurs, like that, I just made it up right now. All right, guys, let's listen. And I'm a deacon at MPI. I wasn't always a deacon, back in high school. Uh, at Shures, I was a very lukewarm Christian. I was very double-minded and selfish with my salvation. Uh, but I met this guy named TJ, and he was a youth in Elevate at the time. And he was starting a Christian club at Shures with Will. And I met him, and he invited me to Elevate on Fridays. And he invited me to serve with them at the Christian club at Shures. Um, and I felt very convicted because for the longest I hadn't been bold like they were and courageous like they were. Like we are called to be, the Word of God says, uh, to preach the gospel to everyone. And I wasn't doing that. And so I was encouraged by them. I began to preach the gospel with them and to join them. But that fire died off very quickly, I would say, because I wanted to do things my own way. I didn't want to give the Lord the time that they were giving the Lord. Um, and I left like the Christian club. I was hiding from them at one point and I graduated high school. I never came back to Elevate after the couple times that I visited. Um, it wasn't until two years after, um, after having been out of the church during college, uh, doing things my way, not the Lord's way. I came back on a Sunday service to MPI 
um, and I knew that I was ready to surrender my life to Christ. Um, I was in repentance. I was ready to start 101. I was ready to serve the Lord. I was ready for accountability. I was ready for discipleship. Um, and I was ready to follow Jesus, pick up my cross and follow him. And now by the grace of God, I'm an ordained deacon at Metro Praise. Um, I'm now not living a double life, not living a hypocritical uh, life in my Christianity and my walk with the Lord. I'm now filled with courage, um, the Holy Spirit and boldness to preach the gospel everywhere that I go. I am serving at Sunday Evangelism. We go out every Sunday and preach all over the city. And the Lord has called me to start a ministry at UIC um, to preach the gospel there and lead souls to Christ there. Um, and I'm really grateful for TJ and Will's obedience in starting a Christian club at Schur's because I believe that was a seed that the Lord planted where I was able to come back to MPI um, and devote myself to Christ here and surrender my life to Christ here and serve Him here with everything um, after being connected at, at Schur's to Elevate. Um, and I encourage you guys to do the same. You never know who you can reach you never know if your obedience is going to reach someone's life and God's going to transform their life and then they're going to be used to reach other souls and they're going to become deacons themselves and that's what the Bible, that's what we see in the book of Acts, like people disciple people and they disciple others and that's how the church grows and souls are saved and one for Christ. Give a hand clap for Jesus and what Jesus did in Jocelyn's life. Let's actually have Jocelyn come up. Give her a hand clap as well. All right, why don't you share a little bit about what this means to you and encourage the youth. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so that was my testimony. Um, and I'm, like I said in the video, I think a lot about TJ and Will's obedience to start this Christian club. And it reminds me that like I said in the video, you guys never know, like, if you're obedient and you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do your will. I'm going to preach your gospel. I don't know who, who I'm going to reach, but you know, right? The Lord, the Lord knows. So say, be obedient to him. That I pray that it wouldn't be that your disobedience leads people to hell, but that your obedience brings people to Christ. Amen. So I'm going to pray for us right now. If you could close your eyes and bow your head. Lord, I pray right now, God, for every youth that is in this room, Lord. I pray right now, God, that you would stir up something in their hearts, God, that they would not be okay, Lord, with seeing classmates, family members, Lord, or teammates, God, on their way to hell and not do anything about it, Lord. I pray, God, that you, that you would put an urgency in all of our hearts, God, to preach your word, God, and to see souls saved, Lord. We, are, we know, God, that you are coming back, and you are coming back soon, Lord. And we know, God, that you are preparing the hearts of people. People, God, we know that there are people, that there are youth out there, God, that are tired of being lied to, God, that are tired of being messed with, with the devil, God, that are searching for answers, Lord. So you're, you're, you're calling us, God, to go tell them, God, that you, you won't lie to them, God, that you won't leave them nor forsake them, God, that, that in their loneliness, Lord, that you take the lonely, Lord, and you put them in families, God. I pray, God, that every youth here, God, would accept the call, Lord, to expose the lies of the enemies that the youth have believed, God, and to shine their light, Lord, to not hide it under a bushel like I did at one point, Lord, but to put it, God, on a hill and let everyone see it, Lord, and put in, and that they would not be ashamed of it like I was, Lord. In Jesus' name, God, we pray, God, for your presence in our schools, God, and for you to use us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's give another hand clap for Jesus, the Shures Christian Club. Look at, T- look at TJ and Will right now. Just look at them both, right? Just, just look at them, right? God used them right after they got saved to do that stuff. And Will, Will was, uh, he was a little stubborn one at first, right? But Will got saved, man. He's, he's uh, doing the thing, right, living for Jesus. He's living holy. He just got married recently, right? Dude, I mean, think about this. Will, right, he was into little Dirk. He was drinking. He was smoking. He was beating people up randomly and then coming to Elevate with blood on his shirt. Y'all don't even know, Will. Y'all don't even know, Will. TJ, when he first came into Elevate, Right, I thought he, he was going to try to fight me or something. I was just into two-on-one, so I was just like getting to know all these people. And then I see it. Will, uh, TJ come up here like, and I'm like, well, what's up with this guy, right? So, but Jesus got a hold of them, and he changed them. And because God changed them, right, they were able to reach Jocelyn. And then now Jocelyn, who's been changed by Jesus, is now able to reach others, like people in UIC, right? So it's an effect. It's a chain. The Bible says it's like a vine, it's a vine. So you'll see that literally, like, there's a guy that nobody ever know, nobody knows about, right? And, and no one really cares about him. Jesus cares about him, saves him. And then all of a sudden, he preaches to maybe hundreds of people. Nobody listens except one. But that one person, right, was just about to commit suicide or something. They get saved. They get married. They have children whose lives are important, precious to the Lord. And you got to understand, so Jesus, this is important. This changes lives. This changes destinies. You have no idea what the, the call really does, what, what you being sent out really does. Amen? Amen. So we're going to continue our sermon series, the, uh, the Send. Everybody say, Jesus is moving. That got to be like a song or something, man. Like, Jesus is moving. We better be grooving. We never losing. Whoo! No? Okay. It's all right. I won't quit my day job. You know what I'm saying? It's all right. Thank you. Who said that? Thank you, Nathan. There you go. Come on. But Jesus is moving, right? When we, look at the, uh, when we looked at last week, Jesus is calling, we realized that when Christ called people, right, he called them out, of a, he called them out where they were, right? And when he called people, there was an, ex, ex, uh, an ex, expectation for them to follow him. And what, what, what to do when you follow someone? What, how, why would you follow someone? Well, obviously, they have to be moving. Jesus was going from place to place. When someone said, I don't want to follow you, Jesus, or when someone said, I want to follow you, Jesus, and they were super hyped, he said, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no bed to lay his head. No bed to lay his head. Basically saying, I, I don't got a home. I'm living a life of suffering. I'm going from place to place right now. I'm on the move. Jesus, even to this day, is on the move. The Spirit of Christ is the one, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. He led, right, Paul from place to place. He led the disciples from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. The Spirit of Christ led the pilgrims out of, uh, of, out of London into now the Americas. You got to understand that the Spirit of the Lord has sent people moving from time after time, from century after century, from people to people, because this is the truth. Jesus is moving. Jesus is not staying still. Jesus is moving more than a kid with ADHD in a classroom. He's moving. He's moving. He's not staying still. The problem is a lot of people that claim to be Christians, they're staying still. 
They're staying still. But understand this. Jesus is moving, and we must be moved. We must be moved. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. If right now, Olivia, you had a train to catch. Olivia has a train to catch, okay? But she misses, she misses the first uh, stop, right? But she knows if she drives fast enough to the next stop, maybe she gets an Uber, she can catch it, right? She, if she wants to catch that train, she needs to move because the train is moving. And you see with Jesus, Jesus is like a train that is not stopping very often. And if we are to follow Jesus, we got to move our legs. We got to move our legs. I don't know if you've ever noticed like tall people when they walk next to short people. Right? It's like imagine Nathan and Alexavier walking right next to each other. And Nathan's walking real fast. Alexavier has to move a little quicker to keep up with Nathan. You know, and the same thing with me, like imagine me and Eddie, uh, Pastor Eddie Berto, I got to move a little faster, right? But sometimes we're like, man, I can't keep up with Jesus. We're going to see, dude, we can't keep up with Jesus. Matter of fact, he expects us to keep up with him. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 says this. Then, uh, this is Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. Sorry, I gave you the wrong verse. Verse 35, forgive me. But... Keep in mind 10, 14. We're going to go there in a little bit. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says this. Jesus went through all the towns. Everybody say all the towns. He went through all the towns. Jesus got around. He was going everywhere. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus was on the move constantly. He was on the move. If we wanted to follow him in that day, we would have to be willing to go through all the towns. We'd have to be willing to go through some scary towns. We'd have to be willing to go through some bougie towns. We'd have to be willing to go through towns where we shouldn't go. We'd have to go around people that our parents told us not to go to. That's what the Jews had to do. They had to go to Samaria. Samaria wasn't allowed. They were like, you can't touch Samaritans. You can't be around Samaritans. They had to go where lepers were. If you touched the leper, you were unclean. It's like in today, if Jesus is saying, hey, you need to go where a lot of people have COVID, right? And everyone's like, no, 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 I would never go to those sick people. Let them die. Let them die. And it's like, Jesus is like, no, we got to go. We got to go preach to these people. We got to preach to the people in their homes. We got to preach to the people in their schools. See, where Jesus is moving, if we want to follow him, we have to go where he's going. And you see, where he's going, that's where he does his miracles. That's where people get saved. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 9, performed a lot of miracles. Does anybody know how many miracles he performed? Anybody want to guess? Ten miracles. In two chapters, ten miracles. We go to Matthew chapter 8. Jesus, it says, when he came down from, uh, when he came down from the mountain, he's on the move, right? A man, of le- uh, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him, and he was unclean. Jesus reached out his hand and healed the person. But what did it start? He was on the move. Then we go to the centurion, right? Jesus had entered Capernaum, so he's going from a mountain down. He's going to Capernaum, another place. And then a centurion, a Roman soldier, someone that you're not really supposed to associate to, with, 
that if you're a Jew, comes down and asks him to heal his servant. Jesus heals the servant. Jesus keeps going, though. When Jesus came into Peter's house, now he's going from Capernaum, entering it, going into Peter's house. Everybody knows Peter, right? Well, Peter had a mama. Did y'all know Peter had a mama? And Peter's mama was sick. And Peter's like, bro, listen, I want to follow you, but my mama's sick, okay? So Jesus is like, all right, listen, I'm going to heal her. Heals his mom, right? And his mom makes him some food. Isn't that awesome? Now, the cost of following Jesus happens. People are trying to follow Jesus. Jesus keeps moving, though. And when he arrived at the other side of, uh, when, he, when he arrived at the other side of, uh, I think, the Sea of Galilee, I could be wrong, but he's arriving at another side of a place, uh, he, t- he cast out two demons out of a man. Then he continues going on. Listen, Jesus steps into a boat, crosses over in the Sea of Galilee again, I believe, and a man that's paralyzed. He forgives him of his sin, and then he heals him of his, para- uh, of his injury or his, his ailment, his ailment. So Jesus is continuing to move. This is just in two, two chapters. He continues to move, continues to heal. He goes on from there, goes to other towns. He's going through all the towns, healing, teaching in synagogues. Jesus is not staying in one place. Do we understand that now today? That Jesus was not staying in one place. Jesus was going everywhere doing the kingdom of God. He wasn't just proclaiming the kingdom of God. He was doing it. He was healing, casting out demons, teaching people, helping people to understand what the kingdom of God was about. Jesus is moving. So we must follow. We must follow. If you're one of the disciples there and you said, man, I think I'm going to sit back. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to just chill today. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a good chance that nothing's going to happen. But you don't, go to, you don't go to Jesus. You don't go with Jesus and Peter to Capernaum. You miss out on Jesus healing Peter's mother. If you don't go on that boat with Jesus to the other side of the lake or the, the other side of the sea, you miss Jesus healing that man and forgiving him of his sins. If you don't follow Jesus, you miss out on what Jesus is going to do. That means you constantly want to see, man, like literally people become atheists, people stop believing, people live in sin because they never really experience who Jesus is. But the reason why they never experience who Jesus is is because they never follow him. Imagine being like John, chilling at his house while Peter's mom's getting healed and wondering, well, Jesus, why didn't you ever heal my mom, right? Well, because you're not following me like Peter is. Now, I'm not saying all of a sudden, like, you earn the forgiveness or you earn the healing, right? No, I'm not saying that, but you're missing out on what Jesus has for you because you're lazy. Because you don't want to follow. You don't want to move. Jesus is moving and you're stuck. I'm telling you, a lame man would have traveled, and a lame man is someone that can't walk. Someone that's lame probably traveled more with Jesus than some of you. And he can't even walk. Think about that. That man that was healed, that was lame, he got up, and he was probably sticking with Jesus for a little bit. But you guys are stuck. You guys are stuck where you're at. You've been, you've been stuck in the same sin. You've been stuck talking to the same people. You've been, ta- you've been stuck doing the same thing that you did when you first started coming to Elevate because you're not moving, and Jesus is. So he's moving. The question is, are you following? Where is Jesus headed? 
Where is he going in your life? Right? In your world, in this world, in the city of Chicago, in your school, in your family, with your friends or with strangers, where is he headed? Because that's where you should be going. Jesus is moving, and where he's going, that's where you're going to see miracles. That's where you're going to see salvation. That's where you're going to see destinies and lives change. That's where you're going to see peace and joy and times are refreshing. Wherever Jesus is at, that's where you should be going. Wherever Jesus is moving, that's where you should be going. And understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying that, oh, man, if if that means Jesus is no longer with me if I refuse to step out of my house one day. No, understand what I'm saying. Jesus and his will, right, what he wants, where his presence is going, the Holy Spirit led Paul. He led the disciples place to place from Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, Rome, all these places. God led them there. Jesus was wanting us to go there. Jesus met Paul and led him to Damascus. We have to understand that Jesus is going places even today. And we have to listen to him and we have to follow him. Everybody say, Jesus is moving. Everybody say, Jesus is moving. Are you following him? Are you following him? When we continue this verse at verse 36... It says, when he saw the crowds, everybody say, when he saw the crowds. What did he see the crowds with? I do this with uh, the pre-K, because I'll be like, how do we listen, kids? Do we listen with our mouth? They're like, no. Right? I'm like, do we listen with our eyes? They're like, no. I'm like, okay, all right, what do we listen with? They're like, our ears. I'm like, all right, then you got to be quiet. Shut your mouth. Stop talking. Right? You got to zip your lip. Okay? But listen, what does Jesus see with? Does Jesus see with these spiritual eyes that pop out of the back of his head like antlers, right? Or like, or how does Jesus see? Does he see with his heart? He just sees with his heart. So precious, Jesus' heart. Baby Jesus' heart, right? You ever seen the Catholic pictures with that heart popping out, right? Does he have like a, a scanner with that? No, no. What did Jesus see with? Points of them. Points of them come. Don't poke yourself, though. Don't three stooges right now. Your eyes, right? Lift up your glasses and just do this, right? Those things right there. Those things right there. Jesus had two eyes, just like you had two eyes. Except what were those eyes for? Those eyes were for the harvest. Those eyes were for the crowd. Those eyes were for the helpless and the harassed. Those eyes were the ones that needed him. You see, when Jesus saw the crowds, he, was, he had compassion on them. Other translations say he was moved with compassion. You see, Jesus was moved. The reason why Jesus was moving was because he himself was moved. Jesus saw the crowd and had compassion on them. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In the past, in Elevate, I would show you guys what sheep without a shepherd look like. I just want to let you know it's a pretty funny scene unless you're the sheep. All right? It's a pretty funny scene. You see sheep like just like stuck like backwards, like under a cliff, about to fall and die to their death, and will fall to their death, right? They're, they're lost. They're, without a shepherd, they're pretty much just meat for the, the, for the predator. They're pretty much just going to maybe die on accident or something like that, like trip and die. The sheep need the shepherd. Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He was moved. 
See, Jesus looking upon the crowds in the town, just picture this. Jesus going from town to town, seeing crowds and crowds, people with sicknesses, lost people, people that didn't know better, people that were evil, people that were good. We talked about that last week. And what did he have on them? He had compassion. Compassion is this. He sees their pain and he sympathizes with them. He empathizes with them. He feels their pain. Jesus wasn't saying, oh, man, this person's annoying. Oh, man, that's irritating. Gosh, and he just rose. Jesus didn't eye roll. Listen, well, maybe he did. But Jesus wasn't eye rolling at the crowd. He wasn't irritated with the crowd. He wasn't just done with the crowd. Jesus had compassion on the crowd. He was moved with compassion. And what exactly was the crowd full full of? Well, the crowd was full of what? People that had pain. Right? People that hurt, people that were harassed, they were bullied, they were made fun of, they were mocked, they were ridiculed, they were outcast. People that were helpless, they couldn't help themselves. They were poor because they were poor. They were born in a poor family. They were poor. They were, they were sick because they were born sick. They were outcast because they were born outcast. They really couldn't do anything about it. It's just the world, they didn't fit in that category of what would be to to be good to be to be religious to be awesome to be the type of person that you look up to right those weren't the people that Jesus was really talking about so I'm up some simple people average people but unlike the disciples unlike many religious people right that they they look for people they don't see compassion what they do is they see someone that can help them out they see a benefit they see a goal they see a means to an end What Jesus saw was someone that needed him. He saw people, a crowd, that needed him, the good shepherd. He didn't see someone that can be like, well, I'm going to use this person to do this. I'm going to make sure this person helps me in that way. I'm going to make sure this person makes me feel good this way. He wasn't just looking for a good friend, everybody. Jesus wasn't just looking for good friends. He wasn't just trying to feel good about himself, so he's going to surround himself with people that would tell him nice things. See, Jesus was looking for sheep so he can shepherd. We have to understand that Jesus, when he was moving, performing miracles, right, Jesus was looking for people that needed him. If we go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, what does that mean? Doesn't everybody need Jesus? Ultimately, yes, everybody does, but not everybody knows that. Not everybody knows they need Jesus, and not everybody wants to say they need Jesus. If you go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, it's a little bit above this one. The Pharisees are asking Jesus, why are you with these sinners? Why are you with these tax collectors? Why are you with these people, these helpless people? Why are you with them? Are you without the, with these crowds, these sinners? Jesus responds in verse 12 on hearing this. Jesus said, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, Jesus was not calling calling these people that were uptight. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to pray. I don't need to worship. I don't need to read my Bible. One-on-one, discipleship, I don't need that. 
I don't need accountability. I don't need anything that God wants to offer me. I just need something that will make me feel better for right now. I just need this. I just need that. I don't really need Jesus. See, these religious people, what do they need? Well, if we look into the scripture, they needed power. Right? They always wanted to, to, to get next to people that had power. That's why they always talked around Jesus. You ever wonder why they wanted to be around Jesus so much? I mean, they always argued with him. Well, because Jesus had influence. They were scared of losing power. They wanted that power. They wanted money. Oh, those religious priests, they were rich. They had money. Right? Oh, they wanted people around them to hear them. That's why they always said what people's itching ears would want to hear. So... Jesus is offering them himself, and they're saying, no, we're good, right? How many of you have ever said, you're good? I don't need to go for altar call. I'm good. I don't, I don't need discipleship. I'm good. I'm good by myself. I got God. I got me. There ain't no one else in between, right? How many of you ever said, oh, maybe I'm not so good, but I got this, right? You're self-dependent. You're a healthy person. How I many of you have ever heard someone say, I'm not good. I'm, I'm good. I don't need Jesus. Right? So Jesus was coming for people that knew that they needed him. You understand that? Jesus is moved. And when he's moving, it's because he moves where he's needed. Jesus is moved. And when he's moved, he moves to a place where he's needed. We have to understand that Jesus is not sitting right, with these people that are just stuck in their seat, that are saying, what can you do to entertain me, Jesus? What can you do to make me more happy, Jesus? What can you do to make this more fun, Jesus? No, he's with people that are saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need your call. I need your healing. I need you. I need your power. That's the people he was with. That's the people he was with. Some people in Elevate, I've seen them. They come, they sit, right? They do nothing with Jesus. They have nothing experience with Jesus. But when you talk to them, you see their lives. You say, hey, Jesus can help you with this. They're like, ah, and there's resistance. Why? Because they're not, they don't think they're really sick. They really don't understand that they're helpless and harassed. They really don't understand that they're sheep without a shepherd. They've been following the devil so long that they like the smell of his cologne. They've been following the devil so long that they think he's the shepherd. But really, he's, he's harassing them. You got to understand that without Jesus, you are just like the crowd that he is spe- looking at. Helpless, harassed. No matter how much money you got. No matter how much friends you got. No matter how good you are on your own, you're helpless. You see, Jesus, he had compassion on the crowds. Do you have compassion on the crowds? When you're in your school, do you look at the people with irritation? Do you try to ignore certain people? Because, oh, man, this person got drama. Oh, man, this person gossips. Oh, man, this person right here, I can't stand this person. Oh, this person's pregnant. This person's doing drugs. These people, I don't talk to those people. They annoy me. They irritate me. I can't stand them. Oh, that's their problem. That's not my problem. I want to let you know that stuff didn't come out of Jesus' mouth. 
Because when he, if he was in your school, he'd be going from class to class, hallway to hallway. He'd be going from campus to campus, and he would see the crowd with compassion. He would see these lost people with compassion. He would see these drug-induced kids with compassion. He would see these kids that have kids with compassion. He would see these gang members with compassion. Jesus would be moved to reach your schools. Jesus would be moved to reach the strangers that you don't want to talk to. Jesus would be moved to reach the outcast that no one sits next to. Jesus would be moved to reach the person that puts on the front that he's okay, but really he's depressed and suicidal. Jesus would be moved for the helpless and the harassed in your schools and your life. But the problem is, do you have compassion? Do you see the same, do you see with the same eyes that Jesus saw with? Because remember, what was Jesus looking with? The same two eyes that we have. So it's not an eye problem. Your eyes work perfectly fine. You see the same thing Jesus is seeing. You see the same thing I'm seeing. The problem is, you're not moving. The problem is, you're not moved. The reason why you can see kids your age die and not even shed a tear or not even care is because you're not moved. The reason why you can walk past people, say perverted jokes and sin and lust and curse and do drugs and not even bat an eye is because you're not moved. You have no compassion. You're dead when it comes to compassion. Why? Because you're not actually following Jesus. When he left, you said goodbye. When he went to place to place, you were stuck in the crib of comfortability, of laziness. You see, if Jesus is moved, why can't we be moved? Why can't we be moved? If Jesus, who's the king of kings, you don't think he got something better to do? What, you got something better to do? Listen, your video games are not better. Your TV is not better. Your hobbies are not better. Souls are more important. Jesus was not moved by the things we're moved by. He was moved by the helpless and the harassed. Do you have people in your life that you are moved to help? Then this is what you need to do. You need to be moved. You see, because Jesus now moves us. Jesus now moves us. As he was moving, he was moved. Now he moves us. If we can continue in that verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 35. You see, Jesus then points the attention to the crowd. He tells his disciples. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest. Everybody say the harvest. And we've heard this verse many times, but now see it like this. This is a call. This is just like Matthew chapter 28. This is just like Matthew chapter 10, the following one. This is a call right now. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Can we get a picture of people collecting a harvest? The harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So, what, what is Jesus now getting into? He just became a farmer out of nowhere? Like, this is just kind of a random, random transition. Have y'all ever looked at some people and be like, man, y'all look like some corn on the cob right now. Man, 
Well, this is the harvest, right? You ever been to the suburbs? You ever been like traveling and you see like a bunch of fields, right? Do you ever just say, man, you know, that looks like that dude in seventh grade or that dude, that dude looks like the dude in seventh period or something like that. You ever do that? No, no. But what is Jesus getting at right now? Well, Jesus knows his audience. He knows the people he's talking to. These people are farmers, and these people do know about the harvest. As a matter of fact, they wait for it to grow and to grow so that they can pick it. That's how they would eat, right? A lot of you guys would understand this. How many of y'all have a job in this place? That's good. How many of y'all actually do groceries with that job? Listen, where do you think the food comes from? I never wondered that when I was a kid. I keep eating. I don't work. What happens? What's going on here? Someone got to work. Someone got to get the food, in order for us to eat it. And get this, before the grocery store, it doesn't just magically appear there. There's farmers. There's people working the fields. And what these people do is they plant and they plant and they plant and they sow and they sow and they sow. They put seeds, they water, they put seeds and they water, and they wait. It's a patient game. They wait for harvest time, right? Kind of like this. Mi familia, mi gente, right? The workers, Right? They're working. They're working hard. But it wasn't always green. It wasn't always luscious. It was barren at one point. But someone was planting. Someone was watering. And it grew. Now, if they just watched it grow and they didn't pick it when it was ready, you know what would happen? It would die. It would die. And then they wouldn't be able to pick it anymore. It'd be useless. And what they would do now with that is burn it up, use it for some fire. So Jesus, when he, sees the crowd of, when he sees the crowd with his own two eyes, his own two eyes, he now directs the disciples' eyes, and he says, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Because he's been sowing. He's been watering. He's been working. He's been going from town to town, teaching and proclaiming the gospel, healing and casting out demons. Jesus has done the work. What do we need to do? Just collect the harvest. See, Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. And what he's telling the disciples now is this is time to collect. They know they need me. They know that they need a shepherd. Thank you, Goodwill. Goodwill hunting, thank you. We know, we know when we see people, we can tell. We're not dumb, right? We have the same two eyes that Jesus had. We can see people that are lost, right? Oh, I, you know, we don't even have to make a crazy judgment if you see someone cussing someone out in traffic. You see some kid in your hallway saying, man, dude, that girl look mighty fine, man. The things I would do to her, right? Obviously, that person's lost. When you see that girl talk about what she did with her boyfriend, right, you know that person's lost, right? You don't have to make all of a sudden like these, hmm, let me look at this person. Is he saved? Man, I don't know. He kind of looks a little, mm. no, you don't have to do that. You don't have, and then you don't have to be blind. Well, Jesus, I don't know who to talk to. I talked to my friend already. He said, no, I don't want to go to Elevate. No, open your eyes. Look at the harvest. Open your eyes. Look at the harvest. It's clear as day who you should preach to, who's, who Jesus has been pouring into. You don't understand the conscience right here. Before anyone preached to me, right? When I came to Elevate the first time, I was already going through it all. I was like, God, I'm a sinner. I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to go to hell. What should I do? And then all of a sudden, someone invites me to Elevate. 
right? When someone invited me to Elevate, shared with me their testimony, man, that was all I needed. That was all I needed because God had already been speaking to my conscience. What do you think the Holy Spirit's in the world for? To convict people of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. What we do is simply tell them about the good news. They can be saved from all that. Hey, man, you're depressed. Don't you know Jesus can heal you and save you? Hey, man, listen, you're lost in your sin. You don't know what to do in life. Listen, Jesus can save you. Jesus can train you. Jesus can transform you. He can make you new. But the workers are few. See, the call for workers, just like, can we get that picture back up? The call for workers. Jesus, he's full of compassion. The same compassion he had on a young rich ruler. Remember, he looked at him with, what did he look at him with? Irritation? He looked at him with what? With love, with compassion. He looked at him with love, and he awakens now the disciples to a spiritual truth that these lost crowds are like the harvest. And you have to, what? You have to, this is how they would pick the harvest. They would see a bunch of leaves, right? And they take a knife. Uh, they take a, not a knife. What's the thing that Grim Reaper uses? A scythe, right? Take a scythe. They cut it, right? They pick up the bundles. They tie the bundles together, and they put it in their bags, right? So you go to your schools. You see a bunch of people. Listen, you preach to them. You call them out of their sin. You tell them there's a Lord that loves you. There's a Lord that can save you, and his name is Jesus. Come on, let's go. Let's follow him. And some may say no. Some may say no, but those that say yes, what you do, you, boom, put them in here, boom, let's go. We're following Jesus. We're going this way. We're going this way. You got to understand Jesus is moving because he's moved. Are you moving because you're moved? Jesus has been sowing. The disciples are ready to reap and collect. The few that are moved, that's the truth. The workers are few. There are more, there are, listen, there's more unsaved people than people that are willing to see the, saved, uh, the unsaved saved. Let me say that again. There are fewer, there are more lost people than there are saved people that want the lost people to be found. Do you understand that? There's not a lot of people that are saved here that want to see other people saved. There's only a few of them. So Jesus is saying, pray for more workers. So we can go out there. You guys should be praying for more people in your school. Libni, she was praying for more people in her school. Cielo, she was praying for more people in her school. For, for Cielo, out comes Libni. For Libni and Cielo, out comes Malia. Right? Jason, you guys may not know him, was praying for more people in his school. Out comes Jorge. Right? TJ was praying for more people in his school. Out comes Will. See, we pray, we, we, we reap, we collect. We don't just sit. We're moved. We move. If I can have the altar workers come up and the worship team. So here's my question, guys. If you could stand up, please. Does Jesus move you? Today in class, I was so grieved and so upset, right? So upset. I was teaching uh, my eighth grade Bible uh, class, and I, I just was basically saying, like, to one of the students, you know, you're not going to turn it in your work. You're not wor working on your work. I'm not going to collect it. You need to focus. Student got upset and was like, this is why I don't like Bible class. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in the Christian school, yada, yada. So I'm like, well, what's wrong with Bible class? It's boring. 
I'm like, it's not boring. Well, maybe because you don't believe it's true. And then she just laughed because maybe she doesn't, right? Maybe she's struggling with it. I don't know. But then she began to ask me, like, well, is it a sin to do things that I like to do, that I want to do? Like, do I really have to, 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 to kind of, like, follow Jesus? Do I really have to lose my attitude? Do I really have to stop drinking? Do I really have to stop uh, lusting after boys? Do I really have to stop doing this, this stuff? I mean, these people do it. Why can't I do it? My parents do it. Why can't I do it? And it just was grieving to me because I realized this person was not moved by Jesus. You see, you won't go anywhere in your life unless Jesus moves you. But until you're, until you're looking, right, with those same eyes that Jesus looked at you, because Jesus, with those eyes, he looked at you. He saw you and he had compassion. If you're not looking back at Jesus, you're going to miss it. And then you're going to miss Jesus do the miracles that he performed in the Bible. You're going to miss Jesus save your family. You're going to miss Jesus save uh, family members and, and friends. If you aren't following Jesus, you're going to miss Jesus move. And here's the sad thing. If Jesus doesn't move you and he doesn't mean anything to you and his will means about as much as, as a garbage can is to you, Jesus is going to move on from you. Jesus will move on from you. If we go to Matthew chapter 10, 14 in closing. You see, Jesus, after he tells the disciples to look at the, the harvest, he calls them together later on. And he gives them authority to drive out impure spirits, to preach and heal every sickness and disease. After that, he gives them a commission to go out to the lost sheep. And he tells them this. He says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. You see, if you're not moved by Jesus and you're not willing to follow him and accept him, Jesus will move on. Jesus will move on. He will shake the dust off his feet. Jesus is moving. And if you're not willing to follow, you'll be left behind. And I've seen this happen with so many people. I know people that came to Elevate at 12 years old. And they had a stubborn heart. They had a rebellious heart. They didn't want to follow Jesus. They wanted to live in their world, but kind of reap the benefits of being a Christian. Ten years later, 13 years later, seven years later, they're still the same person. And everything that Jesus could have done in their life is nothing but an imagination, a fantasy. Why? Because Jesus moved on from them. Jesus moved on from them. Sure, they could sing. Sure, they were, they were pretty cool, pretty popular. But Jesus moved on for them because Jesus don't care about your popularity, your talents, your gifts. What Jesus cares about is your soul. And if your soul isn't moved to follow him, he's moving on. If everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes, listen. It's time for you to follow Jesus. Look, thinking about those words given today, it's time, Elevate. It's time. It's time to move. It's st just stop 
being stuck. Stop looking back at the world. Stop looking at the sin and thinking maybe it has something better for him. It's, that's, a, that's evidence right there. You are not being moved by Jesus. Look instead from sin. Look away from sin, really. Look at the harvest. Look at those that are lost and helpless and harassed. Look at them. Care for them. Because that's what Jesus is looking at right now. That's what Jesus is pointing at right now. He's saying, look. Look at the harvest. Look at your lost neighbors. Look at your lost classmates. Look at your lost family members. Have compassion. I have compassion. Listen, in this place, if you have not been following Jesus... If you have not been moved by Jesus, you are an apathetic, stubborn, rebellious youth. Because I've been there. I've heard the same word. I, I, I heard the word. I saw people that were lost in my life. And instead of being moved to give them the gospel, I moved away from them. I turned away from them. I thought they weren't worth my time. I was there and I understand. But there's no need to be stuck there. Let's move. Begin to repent right now. Come to the altars. Come to the altars and be like, God, I want God to move my heart. I want God to move in my heart. I don't want to be apathetic anymore. I want to pray for